All right, we're back. Hello. More, more Star Treks. Kenny is joining us once again to finish our Star Trek conversation. Let's let's jump into it. So let's move to Deep Space Nine. All right. All right. Our captain this time is not a captain. He's a commander. That's right. Commander Cisco. And this one is different because we're not on a starship. We're on a space station. And it is basically like the gateway to this wormhole. That's what the first couple of episodes are about. We're discovering this wormhole. And to me, right from the get-go, this show felt much more political than the other yes. shows. Like, it's a lot more about intrigue and about mm-hmm. war and, like, tensions between different races. More, Much more so than we ever see, like, in, in Next Generation. Yeah. It's three episodes in or whatever that they're already dealing with the whole, like... You know, Garrick, maybe he's a spy and, mm-hmm. and all this. And then the the Konma. Is that the... They're like a the, terrorist, the terrorist group? group. Yes, that's yeah. right. The Maquis? Or is are we talking about the terrorist group of the Bajorans? Do they have Of more? the Bajorans. The Bajorans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that's like, oh, is... Uh, what's her name? Kira? Is uh-huh. Kira in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, or that's right. She used yeah. to be in it, and then they're like, are you still even loyal to us? Uh-huh. Like that yeah, yeah. So yeah, the setup... In terms of like who's who and who are the players here, you have the Bajorans, which is like the planet next to this wormhole, right? Like it's like really close. Yeah. And then you have Deep Space Nine used to be a Cardassian station. Mm-hmm. And the Cardassians are like real weird looking lizard people. They're not like lizards, but the, to me they look lizardy. Yeah, yeah, they've got kind of these bumps. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like portrayed as super aggressive and just like warmongering people. At one point, Picard gets captured by them in Next Generation and is, like, Mm. treated really terribly. Like, it's a fucked up couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, So, like, we are, you know, if you had already watched that series and you're going into this, you're like, okay, Cardassian's the bad guys for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they're they're treated like that. They seem pretty bad, I'm not going to lie. So they had control of the station, then they ended up leaving because, like, Bajorans, they won their, like, War of Independence, right? Yes, there was a settlement or something. Like there was some sort of treaty between them and the Cardassians, and the Cardassians had to leave. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I think that's right. And so yeah, that's that right. Jordan, they have an official government now, but then the Kona are like, "Fuck that! We don't want to do that." Yeah, yeah. so classic provisional government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have people who like think the treaty wasn't didn't go far enough, mm-hmm. and so they're pissed that they don't have control of Deep Space Nine. I think too, like the Federation has control of it. Mm-hmm. So, and and a lot of the conflict comes from that you have like the Federation is technically in control, but they are still like juggling these these two sides. Like yeah. Major Kira is a character who's Bajoran, and so she like she fucking hates Cardassians, understandably, and like yeah. she she breaks a lot of rules to like help out people and to try to really fight for her side because she is technically a representative of the Bajorans. Yeah, she's not like she's not an officer. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because Deep Space Nine is a Cardassian uh, space station, like you mentioned, and it's funny because you're trading like one occupation for another mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, the Federation's seen as a better option, and they seem nicer and everything, but they're literally occupying the same space as yeah. the Cardassians were before. Yeah, and I, I also <laughs> think it's an interesting, like, creatively, an interesting backdrop because it's like I, I feel like the set artists got to use. 
yeah, a bunch of different cues and visual language that they're not used to using with Star Trek because it's like a you know different culture and stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's this one episode where they do flashbacks to when it was a Cardassian yeah. thing, and like they change the lighting so it's like really dark and scary. I'm like, this seems inefficient. You can't fucking see. It's like we're in a haunted house. It's like the Klingon ships are that way. Oh yeah, the Klingon oh, yeah. ships are just fucking caves. Yeah. Yeah. There's like Steams a fire going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which what? Real quick, we should mention it is fucked up to have like your race of warrior people like all be black like that's pretty weird (laughs) yeah Uh, and they were i don't know playing with kind of a mongol stereotype too yeah genghis khan sort of thing it's very much like exotic savages kind of thing Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's pretty weird it is i agree (laughs) they also i want to point out romulans in the original series they were straight up in like brown and blackface (laughs) yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah and i think um Klingons were as well. Yeah. Um, and they didn't even have the forehead wrinkles. No, they were yeah. just they really... on them. Yeah, it was like the genetic wars did it or something. <laughs> yeah, they, okay. they had some explanation. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also fucked up because I think they kind of imply that the Romulans are like the more volatile version of the Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, guys. Yeah. Cool move. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the thing about occupation. I think the episode to me that really clarifies this, I unfortunately don't remember the number, but it, it has to be in season one or two. So <laughs> go searching for descriptions. <laughs> they send Kira to this like moon in, I guess, the territory or whatever, or this planet. I don't remember. And there's like an old man who refuses to leave because they're going to mine that moon or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's, it, the planet's going to be unlivable. And the Federation is fucking kicking people out. Ugh, and the guy straight up says, what's the difference between this and the Cardassians? They were going to kick me out too. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, yeah. it's a really fucked up episode where she's like, I don't want to do this. Like, she almost quits her job. Like, it's it's uh, a weird one. What do they do? I mean, do they... He, he ends up having to leave. They have to, like, forcibly remove him. Wow. Yeah. It's right. fucked. <laughs> I kind of like it. The Federation's not always doing the good thing there, really. And it's for miming, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. That's extractive. Yeah. Were they saying, like, oh, but we need this planet so we can save this many lives to make a medicine or something? You know, like... Let me see. I wouldn't be surprised. Otherwise, it's really mean. Yeah, it's super mean. I mean, even then, it's still like, okay, well, let's balance it out, you know. Is this worth it? But just to like... We just need some more crystals. That's not very... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Progress is the name of the episode. Found it. Season 1, episode 15. Okay, it's being converted... The moon is being converted into a massive power plant that will render the entire surface uninhabitable. Cool power plant. Um, Old man refuses to leave. Oh, God. And they have an option to not destroy the planet. I forgot about this. So they... If they do it slower... Like, people can stay. But they want to get it, like, really quickly. I think it's the Bajoran government that's making them do this. But either way, the Federation's enforcing it, so, like, that's pretty fucked. Yeah, Bajor is the one directing this mining operation. Okay. So it's Bajor's territory or something? Like, they yes. control it? Yeah. So, so it's not the Federation that's, like, cake. I mean, they're still helping, though. They sent Kira. But it's now a problem not just of doing imperialism yourself, but it's a problem of if you are going to be in favor of self-determination and autonomy mm. for all nations or whatever, then you got to let them do bullshit like this, right? I mean, if that's your principle, then it, you know, and then it gets to be like, well, should we make a better call than these guys and not do this? I don't know if the, in this episode the Federation was really thinking about stopping them. 
it seems like they were just helping. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I think it was her and Bajoran troops, though. So it wasn't like the Federation doing it, but like she's associated. You know, if anything, yeah. she if you know politics aside, she is a main character of the show who is forcibly removing an old man from his home. Yeah. Pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I do think that in Deep Space Nine, that is a a common theme. It's like this this tolerance thing mm-hmm. where you know i mean i think i think it's good a good thing to pay attention to but i i think sometimes they'll just explain away when characters like have like a difference in opinion they'll explain it away by being like oh the right thing to do is just let them do their thing and what yeah. what they think is best and i i think that's a good argument for self-determination and like you were saying you know if you're gonna put yourself in that position are you there to help them do what they need to do or are you there to tell them what needs what to, to be do. done yeah well i think an example of that is there's a religious element to bajor like yes. they're very religious yes and like as someone who is not into that mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know i like the independence movement i don't like that part like mm-hmm. ooh, like and and it ends up like turning against deep space nine at one point they like protest the school that they set up there because it's not teaching that the wormhole is like sacred or whatever oh. and they're like oh uh, we're only teaching science here but then they're like oh like it does turn into this weird like trying to be respectful of cultures but still trying to like teach what you want to teach like it's yeah. it's kind of weird you run into that conflict and it's not it's not clear cut yeah, yeah you can't necessarily just resolve it well you know <laughs> it's this one or the other one yeah. yeah I mean well I guess you do have to make that choice you can't just be like let's just be tolerant the whole time mm-hmm. or let's let everyone do what they want because sometimes they want to do shitty things well the, yeah. the religious movement spoiler guys ends up doing extremist like bombings so they yeah. bomb the school ah wow <laughs> It doesn't make it easier that Ben Sisko ends up being part of their religion. So it, yeah, he's it, like seen as a prophet, right? The, the what? boy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Like, what the fuck? Further down in the series, like one of their religious icons, like deems him part of some prophecy oh. because he like makes contact with the wormhole aliens and man, which okay. to them are prof- prophets or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so now he's the envoy, and he's like part of their religious structure, kind of. So. They're involved, whether whether they like it or not. You know, yeah. I don't think he believes in it, but that's like, that's another like moment where he really has to decide like, do I like play into this? Do I like you know impose what I think? And he usually decides to just kind of play along and do yeah. what people want want him to do. It's so uncomfortable. In that, in that angle, at least. yeah, <laughs> like, I don't can know. You it not is make uncomfortable. Me part of your religion, please. Yeah. Like, like that. That is a weird question of like autonomy versus respecting people's beliefs yeah like if it's about mm-hmm. literally you like i think he would have a right to be like no I yeah, no yeah. thanks <laughs> i'm not this yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that for those first episodes that's a wild way to open your season is like here's a wormhole and also aliens and also we're gonna fuck with time and like <laughs> it was a very confusing start i was like what did i just watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I, I like to think of the wormhole as like a, a critical port or some infrastructure, you know, for mm-hmm. like as an allegory for now. Ooh, like what? Well, I don't know. Like um, a lot of times it's seen as like a gateway into like uh, the, the bad other aliens in the mm. Gamma Quadrant or whatever, you know, mm. and um, that's it's interesting. I don't know. I think in one of the episodes we'll talk about this guy tries to blow it up. Yeah. Um, because he's like. He's trying to stop some problem, but it would also mess up a lot of other things because it's yeah. a, you know it's transport for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're comparing it to like I don't know, the Suez Canal or maybe, something. Maybe yeah, maybe something <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah, or just like a really big 
ship port or something. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, like, I imagine, like, I don't know, once we have shit on the moon, like, that'll uh-huh. probably become a launching off point. Same oh, thing yeah. with Mars. Like, Do we want to get into that episode? Let's, or Yeah, let's get sure. into that episode. All right, so season one, episode three. Past prologue. More terrorism, guys. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of terrorism in Star Trek. So, yeah, this is dealing with the Bajoran terrorists. And all, it's all about, like, whose side is Kira on. And yeah. I think it's really interesting how both sides are trying to kind of play her and test her. And I, I, it felt very much like when, like, someone... It felt almost like a Twitter battle of, like, are you even, like, leftist anymore? Like, her, her <laughs> friends from, like, her old group was very much questioning her. Yeah, well, I mean, they raised legitimate points. Like, For you sure. are in the government, basically. You know, how are you going to say you're in with us? Like, you're working for the Federation who's, like, occupying this place. Like, what, what the hell, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I think, though, the writers... I don't know if this is a symptom of, like, the time or, you know, a little bit of Westering brain here of, like, they're trying to portray her as being, like, reasonable centrist of, like, no, I'm trying to fight from the inside. I'm trying to make change. Absolutely. At one point, this is a different episode, literally. (laughs) So that religious group, they try to, like, do a coup. And she's like, why don't you just vote? Like, she says that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Like, if you want change, just vote for a different council. And I'm like, what? You used to be a terrorist, lady. What happened? (laughs) You've fallen far. Yeah, so she she does not hold on to those sympathies for long. (laughs) Uh, So what do y'all think about, you mentioned this terrorist group, the Koma. Like, what what do we think about them? They're... It, it looks like they're kind of reactionary because trying to like put things back the way they were before the wormhole, right? I think so. Yeah, because because if he wants to destroy it, he's like, it's weird because most of the series is about how Bajor sees this as an opportunity and like it, now they're kind of a a, a planet of power because yeah. they're near this wormhole. And yeah, it is. It, it he is kind of reactionary in that way of like, no, I, I don't want that attention. Almost mm-hmm. like he he sees it as this is what caused the Federation to come occupy us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, you know, if given the chance, the Cardassians would definitely take it over again. They almost did in the first few episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of his reasoning, at least what I read, I didn't rewatch this one, I probably should have. That's cool. <laughs> but um, uh, it sounded like he was trying to destroy the wormhole for, a, like, his purpose at least was to stop more Federation people coming through to, like, uh, continue to, like, mess up what he understood as like what needed to stay preserved or stay the way it was or so he's kind of isolationist yeah it sounded like that to me yeah yeah. i I think he's very uncomfortable like with just the federation presence too like i mean he he just went through occupation yeah i feel him you know i get it i get it like what is the tangible difference i mean like yeah they make a big point to say like how gruesome the cardassians were though like they had like like fucking concentration camps, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you do still have like guys with big guns in the sky right above you. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not pleasant either way. Kira explains that at the end, after um, he gives up or they end up capturing him or whatever happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happens. There, I, I think but... he like takes her hostage and she, she ends up like knocking him out and That's like right. yeah. I mean yeah. she, I, I was gonna say betrays, but like uh-huh. you know she sticks with the Federation. She sticks with the provisional government. Like she's done with that. Yeah. yeah. Apparently she says that he may come to understand why this was the right thing to do someday. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if they really explain it, though, because it sounds like what she's saying is that, like, the Federation is the safer occupation choice. 
Mm. You know, and that like, you know, I, but then she's like not really saying it. She's like, maybe you'll understand one day, mm. you know, yeah. but like what, what's her proof, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, know. Mm. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of proof, but, um, well, not just, I don't know. She doesn't even have to fully say that, but she's saying that regardless of whether they're good or uh-huh. uh, like a better choice or mm-hmm. whatever, doing this to achieve that is, it would have been, would have been wrong. Oh, yeah. Right? No, I get that. Yeah. For sure. so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think his solution is a stupid one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I took that comment as like much more condescending of like, yeah, we, this is how progress is made. Yeah. Like mm. you're, you be, you're being childish. Your uh, power yeah. or something to this larger force. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. for your own good. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. felt very patronizing. It felt like, you know, we just have to listen to our government and <laughs> that's the way it is. Follow the process. Follow the process. She's a process <laughs> bitch now. Don't blow things up. <laughs> Vote. Mm-hmm. And everything will be good. Yeah. yeah. It's weird kind of how quickly she, because she, at first she's very antagonistic to Cisco and really like the Federation as a whole. Like the first few, I guess two episodes mm-hmm. and then she's already like defending them. <laughs> Like episode three, she's done. She's like, yeah. I'm on your side now. Like, I, I think that's weird. I don't think they could have stretched that out way longer. I guess yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about Odo? Oh. Odo's a fucking cop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually. Hate him. Yeah, I found a hilarious thread about this. Ooh, yeah. Uh, from someone on Twitter named at Foon. Okay. F O O N E. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Foon says, I like how DS9 is like. You can be a good cop, see? We've got Odo. Odo, why did you want to be a police officer, Odo? I don't know. It's just something I've always felt was right. Like justice and order is in my DNA. Yes, he always says that. He's like, I don't know what species I am, but I know I'm all about justice. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so weird. And Foon continues into this, but basically we were bringing up DS9. Well, I'm sure if, if we ever figure out what your species is... Uh, there'll be a race of policemen and peacekeepers. <laughs> uh, DS9, LL, just joking, they're space fascists. Oh my god, are they? <laughs> yeah, the, what do they call them, the founders? Okay. And they're basically know. trying to, you know, they're in the Gamma Quadrant or uh-huh. whatever, and they're the shapeshifters, like oh, Odo. Oh, okay, yeah. And they can basically impersonate anyone, and they're, you know, trying to control everything. <gasps> that yeah. totally tracks. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's why it makes a good cop. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> Jeez. Odo, I just always felt the drive to maintain order in the world. Founders, yeah, that's because the desire to dominate all the other races is built into your soul. And <laughs> only we have the strength and will to control the galaxy. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so Odo is a cop. Like, confirmed cop to his core. Yeah. Um, so I became a police officer. Founders, it's a start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's just, Foon is basically saying it's amusing because on one hand it's subtle. Uh, they didn't just come out and say it. On the other mm-hmm. hand, it's exactly the opposite of subtle. <laughs> yeah, that's so, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to that part in the series. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think they become, uh, the founders become kind of like the main baddie mm. uh, towards the end of the series or at some point in the series. It's kind of mm. like they're Borg. Like, all that order. Yeah, 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 for sure. They, spoilers, but they all hang out in a big ocean together. Because, you know, Odo can turn into a liquid. Yeah. And that's, like, their natural form. It is similar to Borg in that way, where they, like, share a consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. 
Gushy Cop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I call him, it's Gushy Cop. Um, he fucking sucks, though, even yeah. without knowing his fashy background. Um, I mean, this man has never heard of a warrant in his life. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> He's always like, I'll just turn into a rat and spy on them, and then I'll just hear what they're doing, and it'll be fine. So do they not have warrants or criminal procedures of any sort you know like do people not have those sorts of rights in the federation maybe i don't know because they have like a little holding cell situation but i they don't really reference prison in this one they do in voyager they do trials in like tng they do like but those are all like military yeah like court marshals Mm -hmm. do they have the right to privacy i mean this guy's like surveilling them you know yeah he can look up almost anything on his little computer so there was some something about how you know he's like a liquid and he's Mm shape-shifting so he doesn't really need eyes to see Oh. So, like, he's really can see omnidirectionally around him uh, is, like, what people are saying. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if they say this anywhere in the series, but uh-huh. there may there may have been some reference to, like, oh, I, well, why do you have eyes? Oh, it's just to make all the humans more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this great post about him, like, okay, because the way he appears is, like, he, he doesn't, he can't quite nail the human face, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's got yeah. a weird, smooth yeah. Like Weird made of face. clay or something. Yeah, he's yeah. got a sculpy face. <laughs> yeah. But like, but he can turn into a perfect rat? Yeah. Why isn't that like a low poly rat? I want a PlayStation 2 rat. <laughs> Humans are just too complex to understand. Okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, just don't understand. Just understand. Just ask data. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Like, I don't, I don't understand their justice system. It seems to be like if Odo catches you, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, there's an episode where he, like, is trying to catch a scammer, but he doesn't have enough evidence. So, like, he still has to have some sort of process. Mm. Yeah. He seems to mention a lot that he's, like, upset with all the rules that the Federation has about due process and things like that. Um, Classic fascist cop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there are rules. He just hates them and ignores them. Exactly. Or maybe reluctantly follows them sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Odo. That's funny. Ferengis. Let's talk about them. I love these little freaks. They're so funny. (laughs) So they're like these nasty little guys. They they look ugly. They've got like weird, like literal butt heads and giant ears. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they have like pointy teeth. Mm -hmm. And... They're capitalists is really the, the only way to describe them. The, the way they like to describe themselves is oh. having having the lobes for business. <laughs> yes. It's like lobes are balls, basically. Yeah. They're always like, oh, yeah. he's got big lobes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's really played for laughs. Like, it's great. Yeah. I, I think they're introduced in, in Next Generation. I think they're, yeah. And it is also played up for laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Deep Space Nine, we have a lot more interactions with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like... They're not really part of the crew, seemingly. Or maybe, actually, I think Nog, the younger kid, mm-hmm. um, is like, he's friends with Jake Sisko, the commander's son. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of funny interplay between them because uh, just like cultures and stuff, you know, uh-huh. like they go on a double date once and uh-huh. it's horrible. Nog is like, <laughs> Nog is the worst. Just doing the weirdest, like, like, will you chew my food for me to his date? Just like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's like, but that's customary on our planet. And like the weird solution they come to at the end is like, well, maybe we should work a little harder to, to understand each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but 
Where, where do you draw the line? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because their culture sucks. Like there, There's an episode where a female Ferengi goes undercover as a male Ferengi so she can do business. Because mm-hmm. apparently, like, women Ferengi don't wear clothes yes. and aren't allowed to do any business and, like, are just, like, enslaved. And it's yeah. just like, hey, that's capitalism, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that they're open about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yep. it's a shitty culture. Like Nog is super sexist. Um, mm-hmm. Quark flirts with anything that moves. Yep. Like <laughs> it's a bad one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so one of the things that the Ferengi is like governed by, it's mm. kind of like their Bible or almost like their constitution or something, is their rules of acquisition. Yes, and, I love these. <laughs> yeah, and it is similar to the Bible in that like they reference that it's been rewritten a bunch of times. Oh. And um, and so like I found online the best they could piece together of these rules of acquisition. I think there's some books published or whatever, but uh, they all have references to episodes and there's a lot of blank spots and missing numbers and stuff. But uh-huh. it's also kind of alluded to that, that people kind of make it up. Like they have an, an unwritten rule um, that I think Quark says at some point, he's like, when no appropriate rule applies, make one up. <laughs> of course. But I wrote I wrote down a list of my favorite ones that kind of yes. jumped out at me. So yeah. if y'all want to hear those. Lay it on me. Cool. Okay. So um, rule of acquisition number 21. Never place friendship above profit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got number 34. War is good for business. Yeah. yeah. Y'all ready for the one right after it? Uh-huh. Number 35. Peace is good for business. <laughs> <laughs> 94, females and finances don't mix, oh. yeah. which is a classic Ferengi. Absolutely. There's two numbers that are the same one. Oh. 95 and 45 are expand or die. <laughs> that one's important. It we is. wrote it I'll twice. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, this one I feel like I've heard in multiple episodes. Number 111. Treat people in your debt like family. Exploit them. <gasps> oh yes. my god! Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's right. Like, Cork runs a family business. Yeah. So yeah. He... employs his family and stuff. You know, probably yeah. for under the usual wage of latinum or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has he has his brother and then like his son, and he treats both of them terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have three more. Um, yes. 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 <laughs> uh, number two eleven. Employees are the rungs on the ladder of success. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Don't hesitate to step on them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, number 214, never be afraid to mislabel a product. <laughs> Great. And um, so there was like a list of unofficial ones, and I think it's something about the number wasn't confirmed, or someone thinks that there may be like one that someone made up, which with the unwritten rule, like it could be any of these. Yeah. Yeah. This is number 299, I guess. Uh, After you've exploited someone, it never hurts to thank them. That way, it's easier to exploit them next time. Oh my God. (laughs) So like, it's, I love all of these because it really bare face, like shows like a lot of capitalist ideas that aren't put this way usually. Mm -hmm. So I just, I got a kick out of that. I I really think you could take that book and translate it, like soften it a little bit. That's a best-selling business book right there. Oh, yeah. You could absolutely market that. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to dress it up to sound nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sound. You'd say, like, employees are your strongest asset or something oh, instead oh, yeah. of stepping on them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's the best part about the front gate, is just yeah. how, how bald-faced, clearly this is bad. 
you yeah. know like everyone yeah. can see how selfish they are it's played for laughs it's played for like it can be like also like played more seriously but at the end of the day we all can agree they're bad and then when you look at it it's like that is just capitalism guys like yeah. how do they get away with that well because the other interpretation is that that is bad capitalism right yeah. so that's the extreme as long as we're not like mean like that you know when we have some <laughs> rules in place and we try to be good people and treat people you know like there's a way to do that but nicely and you're not yeah. as bad as the Ferengi that way <laughs> their sin is being so like you know greedy. open with it uh-huh. and, yeah you know I like I almost I weirdly respect Quark though especially because he's constantly antagonizing Odo <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I think I do like one yeah I love that's funny that's yeah please fuck with the cock guy yeah. um but he's so open about it it's a little bit charming <laughs> yes it is yeah it's like i know what you're about like i know how to avoid you and like get whatever i need out of an interaction with you like he's so and you can see that with like how i think dax is really good at interacting with them mm-hmm. she's just like yeah whatever it's just how he is and like she's chill about it yeah i'm not like saying he's a good person but i think he's entertaining oh yeah. no it's because we deal with just a infinitely more annoying version of that which is the book you were talking about right <laughs> if you dress that the up in the nice version. yeah that sucks because it's like you know it's the same thing yeah mm-hmm. it's just being duplicitous too it's all it's trying to convince you that it's nice and it's your friend but. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it, it's like in conquest where they they say like a lot of capitalism is, is lying to yourself mm-hmm. and and that is the the Ferengi just take that out yeah so yeah. it's like refreshing. It's like it oh, here is. we go. This is this is funny. <laughs> this is what you're about. Yeah. I think Quark is charming sometimes too, and like wins over some characters because he is very like um, nice about a lot of these things. I think he still has a conscience. He he seems to have a conscience, but he's also like always trying to do some deal behind mm-hmm. whatever he's saying. Yeah. And so pretty much every character can like accept that at face value and. And still appreciate him, but also like have this distance to know that like if they like shake his hand for some deal, like they're gonna get screwed over. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read, there's an episode where like he helps them break out of a hostage situation, and like yeah. I don't know. I just I'm he's not he is purely selfish because you'd be mm. like, well, yeah, because he would rather work with these people than I think it was the Bajorans who took over for a minute, mm. but. I don't know, like, there are moments where, like, he's he's kind of nice. Like, even with that female Ferengi, he ends up, like, kind of liking her. And, like, he's like, fuck, what do I do? Like, it's 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 interesting when he does have these moments of, like, quote-unquote humanity. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The cognitive dissonance between his rules that he grew up with and whatever around him is trying to tell him is right, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Which is, it's kind of interesting to see it, like, when he's sort of the main character of the episode and... He's having to go through those struggles. I don't know. Yeah. And he, like, cares about Nog and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. sort of. In his own <laughs> way. Let's get to our next episode we want to talk about here, which is actually two episodes. Season 3, episodes 11 and 12, which is called Past Tense, confusingly enough. I <laughs> know we just talked about past prologue. <laughs> oh, this is the history one. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this, is, this is the first episode of DS9 I watched. Because West Wing thing did an episode on this. They oh. got so sick of watching West Wing, they are like, fuck it, we're just going to do an episode on Star Trek. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've also listened to a podcast where they they play-by-play play, watch this episode and analyze every piece of it. I can't remember which one it was, but uh-huh. I, yeah, I think it's like a it's a common one to talk about because there's so much 
good content. There's in really it. some good shit in here. All right, mm-hmm. who wants to get the synopsis? I feel like I keep talking, so someone else do it. <laughs> uh, so they are beaming down to San Francisco to do a conference or something really boring, <laughs> and then the the transporter fucks up and sends them instead back in time. They end up in San Francisco, but in 2024. 2024? It's that soon? Yeah. Wait, Ireland is also going to unify and we'll have the Bell Riots? Yeah. Big year coming up. Yeah, I wrote a note. 9-4-2024. Wouldn't it be wild if things went down that soon? (laughs) Guys, we're so close. Just got to hang out. (laughs) Hang on for a little bit longer. (laughs) So they end up there. They get accosted by a light. The cops. Yeah, the the cops slash janitors. They look like janitors. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And sent to, like, the ghetto, the sanctuary area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the B-plot is, like, the rest of the crew trying to get to them, mm-hmm. trying to find them. Uh, and so we quickly find out that everything is shitty here in <laughs> San Francisco. Um, Dax is separated, and she ends up found by this rich guy. Yeah. Yep. This, oh. like, tech billionaire dude. Gets to see the other side. Yeah. Oh, I think it's so good. So we have Tale of Two Cities going on, mm. basically. <laughs> I talked about earlier how no one seems interested in history. Cisco knows his shit. He's like, yeah. oh, we're in this year. This is what's going on. Like, he absolutely has the historical context for this, which I think is cool. It makes it's sense. refreshing. I, I think that, that, like, moving past Next Generation to... Um, DS9 and Voyager, really. Like, there is this kind of maturity of being like, oh, we need to pay a little more attention and not just gloss over this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a lot... I think they found some stuff to focus on that, Mm -hmm. you know, they hadn't in the previous ones. Yeah, like early space history, I guess, late Earth history. Uh (laughs) Filling in those gaps. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Enterprise does that, for sure. That's the whole point of Enterprise. It's like, how the fuck did we get to space, guys? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They realized that was... That was of interest. People actually care. Yeah, about yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> so they get sent to the the slums. Yeah. It's like a tent city, mm-hmm. and I, I've seen this meme floating around of like they're like, "This is what Earth is like now," and yeah. and everyone's like, "Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's true." And they kind of explore this as they uh, throughout the episode what the conditions there are, but like you have, uh, I guess the government sort of provides your food and technically your shelter although it's like super overcrowded mm-hmm. and the they're like oh look at us we did that but you also can't leave <laughs> you're, you're, you're rolled up in there yeah so i mean is this like a example of like authoritarian communism or something they're trying to be or is it more or is it just straight up fascism yeah i think it's i mean it's the warsaw ghetto it's it's yeah it is it's fascism, fascism at that basically point. um you're saying and they have these divisions of people and they're like, oh, some people are dims and some people are gimmies. Like, yeah, yeah. What are what are all those mean again? Dims is like you're messed up, like you have I don't know brain problems or something to where you can't understand mm-hmm. anything, and you're just there. And then gimmies are people who like could. It seems like able-bodied maybe people who could work, but were just there to like get a handout. Oh my god! Uh, of course. Yeah. That's rough. Got to shit on those. And the administrators of this place are like, when they talk to Cisco mm. and Bashir, they're like, "Oh, sorry, we thought you were just the Dims, or you know, we yeah, thought we thought they're you so were so confused and they're wearing weird clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, we treated you, you know, that way. Like, here, let's try to help you out sort of thing. It's pretty fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you were, like, mentally handicapped, like, 
you still shouldn't treat someone like that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and they just call them dims, and they're just like, that's how it is. And, I don't know, yeah, you're right, it's very fascist, because it's... Regimented in that way. Mm -hmm. Very divided. Mm -hmm. The rest of society, you know, we'll see that on on Dax's side is you get to really live it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's fancy over there. Yeah, (laughs) they have, like, a fancy party, Mm -hmm. and... Like, she gets, like, basically rescued by this guy. And it, to me, it feels very, like, damsel in distress kind of thing. Like, he wanted to be the hero for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he even says that when yeah. he first, yeah. There's a, there's a, a thing about the DVD commentary. Ooh. Um, so as the episode was finishing production, uh, an article appeared in the Los Angeles Times describing a proposal by the then mayor, Richard Riordan, mm-hmm. to create, a, create fenced-in havens for the city's homeless. Oh my god! Um, to make downtown Los Angeles more desirable for businesses. Wow! Which is like oh god. they wrote it <laughs> and they predicted it basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean you see this happening. Like uh, DPD is constantly clearing out homeless centers or mm-hmm. not like official centers, but like tent cities in Dallas. Yeah. Like yeah. they get cleared out all the time. Like Camp Rondo was this huge one, kind of in my area, and like they they shut that the fuck down. Like. Yeah. And they don't have any solutions of where these people want to go. They're yeah. just like, no, this place is now too nice for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do that in various cities around here. I think that our state government has something, some sort of mandate that requires them to get rid of those because <gasps> they hate people. I yeah. think they, they had a recent thing in California, too, where they, they were doing a lot of that shit as mm-hmm. well. I can't remember the circumstances. We can cut well, this. Well, their is governor went and like grabbed a broom and went to go help. Like, oh, my God. Like, just, literally? Literally, like, was out there sweeping up homeless and ca- uh, home, you know, homeless camps. What the fuck? That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, insane. It's like good photo op, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So they are in this in the sanctuary, mm-hmm. and it sucks. And they're trying to like survive, and. Uh, Cisco realizes, oh, hey, the bell riots are about to happen. Yeah. So we got to be careful. We can't, like, influence things too much. This is a big, huge historical event. Keep your head down, basically. (laughs) And they get in a fight, and this guy comes to help them, and he gets stabbed and and dies, and it's Gabriel Bell. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) He was was a hero through and through. Yeah, he gave his life. (laughs) And the bright idea they have is, I guess... Cisco's gonna be Gabriel Bell now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, new Bell. They said in the synopsis that he resembled him. In they were both black. Okay, that, yeah, that <laughs> kind enough. of uh, that <laughs> fucked wow. with me a little bit. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you don't see much of Gabriel Bell. So yeah, I'm he dies so yeah. fast. I don't even remember what he looks like. Yeah. At the end, basically, he becomes. Yes. Him, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's the which. I don't know. Time doesn't work like that. I don't think. No. <laughs> like he would have remembered. This guy looks like me when he read him. Yeah. Read oh yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> weird. Bizarre. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So they're giving out food, or so they're giving out like your basics, but it seems like that's not enough because mm. like everyone's still looking for work, right? From what that's, I remember. It's technically enough to survive, it seems like, but you have to like wait in line all day. You wait in line. You're living in like squalor. You're sleeping on the ground, yeah, because mm-hmm. each of the housing. Uh, buildings, they they like have guards out, you know, mm-hmm. from the people that are just like, no, you know, this is overcrowded, you can't come in. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's not, it's definitely not enough. The cops just kind of like run rampant through this place. I think she, uh, the lady who checks them in, 
says, like, give the cops a wide berth. They just had their pay cut. Like, (gasps) they might rough you up, basically. Oh, no. God. (laughs) That's... Yep. Well, (laughs) it's good advice today, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say that. Oh, no. All right, what do you guys think about mm, the, the how they lay out the Bell Rites? Because Cisco says, like, okay, so the Bell Rites are going to happen. This guy, Gabriel Bell, changes everything, man. You know, he he protects the hostages, and, you know, the government does. They go in, and they kill a lot of people, and they kill him, and, and they're, you know, everyone's just so outraged by what happened that they start making changes. You know, they, uh, they fix, they solve all their social problems. Everything gets better. I think it's interesting that they lionize Bell instead uh, of like the guys who took over the building in the first place. Yeah, sounds a little bit like a great man. To me. A little great yes. man history yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. We focus on this one guy, mm-hmm. and Bell. He's like a martyr. Uh-huh. This is the way that you know change is made: is go out there and let the cops do this to you, <laughs> versus God. the like you're like you said, the people who actually did the taking over in the first place. Yeah. You know? Because they're portrayed as just like, they just want to do this. Well, no, they're, they're portrayed as pretty revolutionary, right? Not really. Bell is, you know, Cisco is the one who gives them the idea to do the revolutionary thing. Like the guy with the hat, mm-hmm. he is more like, I just want to, I just want us to be able to escape. Okay, yeah, They yeah. want to get out to wherever. They want to flee. Yeah. And Bell's like, yeah, but we can't leave all these people here. And Cisco's like, we can't leave all these people here. We got to demand change here and now, you know. But I don't know. I thought it was, like you said, very great man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. this really hinges on one person and a specific sort of person who's not achieving this by, like, blasting open the right people, but by, you know, refusing to. You know, by the being kind of centrist about it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Negotiating with the powerful to get these things changed incrementally, too. Like, it mm-hmm. really doesn't happen immediately. On the other side, we had Dax with the tech billionaire guy, mm-hmm. and they yeah. go to their fancy party, and I thought that was <sighs> oh, yeah. that was quite the scene. <laughs> like, do you think Dax even, because I couldn't tell when they got separated, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like how aware do you think she was of the conditions? Like she only, she kind of like slowly becomes aware of like the slums and stuff, right? Like, because she has only seen it through this guy. Right, yeah. She doesn't get taken there. Like at all, yeah. She's yeah. on the subway or wherever they first end up, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, she immediately goes to like the high rise and everything and hangs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, you know, probably doesn't know that much about Earth history, so she's probably a little bit in the dark. I bet, yeah. Um, until she makes contact with with the away team again, mm-hmm. yeah. And she starts seeing the because there's news reports and stuff of yeah. what's going mm-hmm. on, and so she's like, "Whoa, that's fucked up." And he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, but." You know, they're cared for. Like, we give them food and it's fine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And she's just like, you also don't let them leave. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. At the party, they mentioned a few kind of groups or a few kind of oh, current yeah. events. Mm. They were talking about some big student protests in France mm. uh, and how the neo-Trotskyists, <laughs> their that. government was going to, was, you know, they had to deal with it or something. You know, Ooh. like, how are they going to handle this? Can't wait for not <laughs> just Trotskyism, but neo-Trotskyism. Yeah. What's that going to be? <laughs> yeah, so weird shit happening in France. <laughs> I don't know. The show didn't, like I said, they kind of came to that solution of like... Negotiation. Yeah, negotiating. But they also didn't make the hostage takers like, cr- you know, crazed, irrational 
straight sort. terrorists or yeah, something. They yeah, they weren't just like bloodthirsty. Yeah. The guy even mentions uh, the, the hat guy. Hat I don't guy. remember his name. It's okay. <laughs> He's talking about the news coverage that they are mm-hmm. watching too and he's like why do they sound so surprised when you treat people like animals you're gonna get bit yeah Ooh, yeah that's yeah. a great fucking point it is you know yeah I mean I, I really love that they do have that context of student protests though because that mm-hmm. does indicate a mass movement like yeah I don't think it'd be believable be like it all changed because this one hostage crisis like True. we can paper over anything yeah. if it's to save capitalism <laughs> so know? they kind of realize like this could spark off some more stuff if we don't mm-hmm. handle it now, right? Like the protests and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think you have to have that context of like, yeah, clearly this is a widespread issue. And by making it in France, it's like it's not just San Francisco that's going mm-hmm. through this. Like you can say like a lot of people are unhappy about this. Yeah. That's so. a really good point. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do also think it was funny that they're... You know, their demand for fixing everything was we want guaranteed jobs. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Those things that everyone loves. Loves to go to. Loves spending time at jobs. Yeah. So in that way, I don't know, it was very centrist or... Very 1990s. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, gosh, if, if that's what's pitched to you as your main problem... You know, I can't survive because I can't find work. Yeah. You know, that's what you're going to demand, right? True. Yeah. But it's weird to me that, like, this society is already doing some handouts that, like, they wouldn't just be like, I want a house. Like, I want better ways of living. That would make more sense if they just demanded the stuff a job could get them. Yeah. You know, or might get them. (laughs) Because we don't see a lot of their economy in this episode. Mm -hmm. We only see, we don't see anyone working, except for like the people at the offices where they intake them. Yeah. And then cops. You know, not real workers. And (laughs) you see like the rich guys who I assume are just like tech billionaires. Yeah. That guy like invented the, whatever their internet is. Mm. Is what he did. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Internet, neo internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the slums are really just like they're unemployed too. Like no one's working in there, right? Right. Yeah. You're just basically waiting in line for. That's where you stay while they mm-hmm. find you a job. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. That's pretty rough. Oh, it's shitty. Yeah. It's just like a universal basic income situation. Mm-hmm. And then everything else, like you said, you know, you have to get a job to pay for. So it does kind of make more sense to be like, well, why don't we just universal basic housing ourselves too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when clearly we have enough resources because rich guys over there having parties. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they eventually get to. I mean, yeah. this mm-hmm. is clearly very transitional, but. Yeah. I guess my question would be, if we have rich guy party and slums, I wish I could see some of like the people that do have jobs and what their conditions are like. Is it just, like, going to be kind of in between that? Like, they have their own house or something? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think what's confusing to me is why then do they have such high unemployment? Like, is it because they're so good at producing things? And they, they're, they're just in this uncomfortable period where they're yes. not, they are not willing to give people stuff? Yeah. They okay. talk about one of the guys, because the people in the sanctuary mm-hmm. do like a video recording thing out to the rest of the world yeah and yeah. one of the guys is talking about like yeah i was working in this factory it was a good job but then you know they brought in automation and i was out of a job <laughs> classic <laughs> so yeah that's part of it yeah they mm-hmm. can make things more effectively but they're not like 
changing the allocation of stuff. So it's just yeah. a bunch of people out of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they just haven't let go of that mode of, of wages and things. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of there. <laughs> Maybe not two years from there, but we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah. It's wild to think about. It's a, I don't know. It's a weird one. It's, it's a weird way to, to chart the course for humanity, I guess, between just what the capitalism we know and post-scarcity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it also kind of makes sense, I guess, that they would kind of do this. It's kind of like a social democratic yeah. reform style, right? Well, I mean, not entirely. It's not like they got Bell elected. If that was the storyline, I'd be like, flush this episode down the toilet. That's true. (laughs) I mean, there was still like a a kind of violent action that had to take place. It's a very, still a very limited one. It's Mm -hmm. not like it doesn't, besides the protest in France. It's a little bit clean. It's a little bit like one guy did it. Again, great man. Yeah. Yeah. But at least it's not like. He got elected mayor and changed right. everything. Right, it was a big campaign. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but then the solution, you know, what happens after that is they pass legislation. I mean, you know, yeah, right? They that's change true. It. But that's fine, too, I guess. I mean, that's the idea of, of mass action to, to pressure people. Yeah. Like, that's still pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. Not bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not a worker state or anything, but it's not bad. <laughs> All right. Cool. Apparently, this episode was based on the Attica prison riot. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um... Uh, In the 70s, right? Uh, I don't actually have a year, but you're probably right if you've heard of it before, because <laughs> I just learned about it. <laughs> but um, Some people call it the Prison Rebellion, the Prison Massacre, or the Attica Uprising. Uh, it was the bloodiest prison riot in United States history. Oof. And yeah. is one of the best known and most significant flashpoints for the prisoners' rights movement. Apparently. It was in New York. Yeah. Yeah. They mm. sent in the cops to storm, storm the place, I mean. Yeah. 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 Doesn't Angela Davis reference it in her, in her I believe so, yeah. book yes. we read? Yeah. Did y'all bring it up in the episode? I think it, I, I vaguely remember I, it. I apologize if <laughs> no, I didn't. You're good. <laughs> I that. only barely remember it, and I was recording it, so yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Okay. Um, let's quickly move on to Voyager because I'm getting hungry and I need to eat dinner. Feel that. (laughs) Okay, Voyager. Um, I I think the big theme we've already kind of touched on it is that they are kind of back to scarcity again. Not scarcity, but Mm -hmm. they are more concerned about resources. Yeah, they're in a different situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not at home anymore, so they have to scavenge, basically. Yeah, yeah. because almost, not every episode, but a lot of episodes end with t- with uh, Next Generation of, like, we went back to Star Station, whatever, to, to mm-hmm. refuel and to get yeah. get repairs. Like, these fuckers can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had this weird moment when I was re-watching some of these episodes. I, I watched this, this um, Caretaker episode mm-hmm. of Voyager, uh, which is, it's the pilot, and then I watched, uh, I think I watched one of the next generation episodes and I was just it was just confusing because the the plot line's so different and the, mm-hmm. the sort of conversations they have are so different. Why why are they talking about like leisurely moving around here? Aren't they stranded? Oh wait, no, this is the different <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But that's something that frustrates me. A lot of times they'll start an episode being like, Captain, there's an anomaly here and she's like, Let's go check it out. I feel like bitch, we're trying to get home <laughs> <laughs> That is a hilarious thread of this for sure to me is that they're like Halfway playing out their mm-hmm. Star Trek, you know, reasoning, 
of like, oh, we got to help out whoever we come across. Yeah, got to remain with our values and yeah, explore what can we find along the way. But they're also driven by like, holy shit, we're so far away. We're not going to get there for like 75 years. And uh, you're you're so right. It is (laughs) hilarious. And they're like, yeah, let's go like have some shore leave (laughs) or like do this random thing. And it always gets them into trouble too and takes longer. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It's always like, oh, well, we wasted 20% of our fuel. I'm like, you should be way more upset about this. (laughs) You should learn from that. Maybe don't go check out every anomaly. (laughs) (laughs) And and that is a a cause of conflict in the crew, like especially Mm -hmm. early on. So for some background here. You're probably very lost if you don't know Star Trek by this point. <laughs> <laughs> but so for some background here, the first few episodes are about, I guess, the pilot, really, which is a two-episode pilot. Mm-hmm. Ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> this starship gets flung out to, like, the... What is it called? It's not the Gamma Quadrant. It's, it's the Delta. Delta, Delta. Quadrant. Moved yeah. on in the alphabet. <laughs> And they also flung out is a Maquis ship. Now, the Maquis, we have already referenced, I believe. They are like a, revo- a revolutionary. They're, they're an independence group, I guess, yeah. maybe. It's more accurate. They're like settlers of some sort, right? Yeah. So th- they were settlers on a planet that got occupied by the Cardassians. Okay. Uh, um, and a lot of Bajorans are in the Maquis as well, mm-hmm. I believe. So... Voyager was originally sent to go deal with that. And they, like, even had a guy on the inside. It was a whole... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um... Tupac the spy. I almost almost call him Tupac. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so they're sent to go investigate that. And then both ships end up getting flung out to the Delta Quadrant, which is, like, a bajillion, bajillion, bajillion miles away. Mm -hmm. And they have to end up merging their crews and that causes a lot of conflict because you have this like kind of guerrilla warfare crew under the Maquis and then you have the very regimented Federation crew yeah. and there's a lot of resentment between like, okay, who's in charge, who who gets the promotions, stuff like that. I even think the choice to make it stay a Federation ship is pretty wild. <laughs> it is. It's amazing to me that they just agree yeah, you know? and yeah. I guess it's it has to do with Chakotay, the leader of the Maquis ship, kind of deciding for his crew. You yeah, know? and so that's a little interesting. Like they're you know this kind of revolutionary group, but they still have this like crew structure, like very hierarchical. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like I wonder too how much of it is a pure numbers thing because I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure the Voyager crew is larger than the Maquis crew. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I picture them as just like a pretty small ship. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah it'd be hilarious if like. All right, I guess we'll all be Maki now. Yeah, what if it's the other way around? It'd be a yeah. crazy show. <laughs> yeah, this would be fun. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I find that really frustrating how, to me, this is the peak liberal show. Ooh. They are rules obsessed. <laughs> and, and Janeway is just constantly harping about like Federation values and like, we can't stray from our principles. Oh, yeah. And to the point where, like, it's detrimental and it, it really gets in their way a lot. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, I'm with you on that. It's maybe my least favorite series. Like, I, I like the characters a lot. Like, I, I fucking love Neelix. Yeah. And I, I think there's interesting people on board, but, like, I, I don't particularly like Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> Two rules obsessed. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think part of it is that she's the first female captain, and I think they have to portray her as kind of a hard-ass. Oh, yeah. I think, I'm sure I there's, think like, time-wise. a huge, yeah, a huge um, push to do that. Like, because, I don't know, 
what kind of horrible stereotypes would come out of her being like caring? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like I don't know. Like, but she is she is pretty caring and awesome in a lot of ways. Um, she cares about her crew for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's just a product of the time of like we gotta have a strong female character. Yeah, you know? yeah. She has to wear pantsuits and like be mm-hmm. She's a be one boss. of the men. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay. All right. Let's get into a couple episodes. So the pilot, which we already referenced, is called Caretaker. And yeah, this is when they're, they get flung out and they're figuring out what the fuck happened. Mm -hmm. And they encounter this like being basically that takes them to this weird, like Southern farmhouse to try to like, they're like, I thought this would make you feel comfortable. I'm like, where are your records from? Like weird as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Probably every black person on the crew was like, I I need to leave. (laughs) So, yeah, they take them to this weird, like, hoedown and try to make them feel really comfortable, apparently. And they discover that it's actually this, like, they call it the array Mm -hmm. at first. And it's, like, this complicated space station thing that's run by some entity. And this entity is seeking out someone that can take over its job because it's dying. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it keeps, like, drawing people out from, from wherever. It's, it's just, like, yanking people around and be like, are you what I need? No. <laughs> so, um, so once again, they are not what it needs, so they're frustrated. Well, they, they might be partly what, what it needs because it abducts one member from each crew. That's right. And that's, that's right. isn't that what kind of brings them together a little bit? Yeah, because they're, they're both trying to get their crew members mm-hmm. back, so they abduct Harry Kim, my love, He's precious sweet. bean. <laughs> I'll to cradle him. And then Bellana, who mm-hmm. I also like. She's cool. She's cool. And so, yeah, both the crews are working together to try to get their people back. And they realize that this entity is caring for this planet. What's the planet called? Do we know? Do we care? Uh, <laughs> I know the names of the two civilizations. It's the Okampa. Okampa. I'm not sure if that's the name of the planet or not. But that's the it's one. Fine. That's the, the people that this caretaker is worried about, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Okampas we learn are this, like, underground society. Like, literally underground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the caretaker provides for them. And I couldn't quite figure out, like, how much or what exactly they provide. Is it just the tech? So it's, like, it seems to be, like, food and resources Mm -hmm. and especially, like, power to, like, keep their complex going. Like, they shoot these, like, beams or Mm -hmm. something, energy pulses, and that's, like, I guess that's what's powering them. But it doesn't really make sense. Because they notice the beams get, like, more infrequent as this... Uh-huh. creature is dying yeah so yeah it's providing energy for this massive underground society and it's weird because like it's implied that the okampa are like denigrating as a result like mm-hmm. they're becoming less smart and apparently they even used to have telepathic abilities and now they don't because eventually kes who is an okampa comes on the crew and starts developing our abilities and she's like it must be because like we used to have them and we devolved when we started getting our needs met. And I'm like, that's kind of wow. fucked up. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one for sure. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's, it's a bit of a Wally take for me. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like it's the opposite, though, of what yeah, humanity and stuff Yeah, if you were you'd be like moving shit with your brain all the time. Yeah, it's. Because, I mean, they've gone through this too. Like, oh, they, you know, they're post scarcity, everybody's provided for. They didn't get stupider, like, humans, you know, like... You mean next generation, yeah. Yeah, like, people, you know, humanity 
moved improved. past that. Yeah, it got yeah. better. Like, but these guys get worse. <laughs> this is the most liberal version. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little weird, though. I mean, like, I guess I can kind of see the like line between like taking, you know, someone in power being like, no, you can't leave this complex. That's true. It's it's an outside force that's doing it. Yeah, and they've got some shield that doesn't allow them to go above ground. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like because this entity like destroyed the atmosphere or something years oh, yeah, ago. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's a shitty situation. It's basically yeah. like this this aliens like I have to take care of them, but like in this really irresponsible way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I also feel you that it's weird that like whatever that is is like stopping them from having their cool powers mm-hmm. you know i'm not really sure how they explain that but it's it's definitely weird i mean it's an implied like laziness and yeah. that's why like kes is unhappy oh. there like the younger people in the ocampa are like no we we used to be better we should be doing more for ourselves which like yeah sure but like would that really cause your brains to devolve like i, I don't know <laughs> well, that's how evolution works though <laughs> like, yeah that's not how evolution works <laughs> So yeah, that, that's a good point though, that it is an outside source that's mm. doing this. It's like, this is kind of, you could say it's an imperialist narrative instead. Yeah. You could say like, because the, the alien's the one that destroyed their world and made it uninhabitable mm-hmm. nearly. And that's why he feels responsible to them. Yeah. It's like, I know better. Mm-hmm. You know, type mm-hmm. of shit. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side interpretation, like you were saying, is just like, don't give people too much handouts. Yeah, so. don't take yeah. care of people. As soon as you brought that up, I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't <laughs> see that. But that's, that, that is crazy. Okay, what's really fucked up about this to me, what's up with the Kazon though? So the, the Kazon are these group of people who are on the surface still. Yeah. Did the caretaker just like say, fuck you guys? Are they the same race and they just like evolve differently? What happened? Did they just not get under the bubble in time? I have so I'm, many questions about these Kazon. I'm not sure if they explain how they got there, but it is the it does trip me out because it seems like the care, caretaker doesn't, he doesn't really care about care. them. Yeah, it's like not um, interested in like even acknowledging them. Yeah, and, and when Voyager comes, they're like, oh, maybe they have water, mm-hmm. and they're like, actually, we could make as much water as you want. Yeah, and they're like, well, give us. That thing that does that, and they're like, no. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, yeah. yeah. That that was my first big. Oh, this is a different show moment of mm-hmm. like, I I kind of get it because again, it's the prime directive bullshit of like we can't interfere. I'm like, yeah. you're already interfering. You're fucking here. You're yeah. talking to them. That's interfering. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just raises questions for me of like, what does a replicator cost? You yeah. know, and like. It's so weird. It's like you have the technology to like make whatever you want, but like there's still this, the means, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. um, how does that come about? What sort of materials you need? It's, it's kind of like obstructed. They don't really talk about it that much, but yeah. I yeah. I, I think my question with the Kazon is like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you like, yeah. you are a bajillion miles away from the Federation. At this point, they haven't super established what their ship is going to be. At the end of this, they're like, yeah, we'll be a Federation ship and we'll get really horny about the rules. <laughs> but like, at this point, you haven't. So you could just give them a replicator yeah. and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me why... And I think it's justified because like, they're a very like, aggressive war people. But it's like, they're, yeah. they have to be, they're on a fucking desert and like, they're just trying to survive. Like, yeah. it's just very little faith in, in these cultures. Definitely. Yeah. And it's like, they're not thinking about the question of like, why are they, like you said, they have to be, why are they this warlike culture? It's mm-hmm. seen as something innate. 
yes. versus what if you gave them the water thing? Maybe they would be fighting less about water because they have it now. You know? Yeah. And that's the problematic thing, I think, about a lot of Star Trek races is they are just, they're a monoculture. They kind of have, yeah, the D&D aspect of like, mm-hmm. you know, elves have this personality. Yeah. yeah. Dwarves are all like this. <laughs> and it's weird because they acknowledge it and they'll be like, well, humans are all different and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's fucked up, guys. Do you not see how that's fucked up? <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, it's funny, like with the Ferengi, it's funny. Yeah, so. the Ferengi, yeah I'll take that because it's funny. <laughs> Only in all racism that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I was gonna say stereotypes, but that's, same train of thought. That's yeah. not my platform, guys. I just like it making fun of capitalists and Gucci cops. <laughs> Only yeah. anti-cop racism, then. That's fine. Cool. <laughs> if cops are racist, then fine. <laughs> So the way the caretaker resolves, I feel like, is very unsatisfying because they end up destroying the array. And guys, if you're all about the Prime Directive, I don't know if you should destroy a giant space station in this quadrant. They just destroy it? They destroy it. Because so, the, the guy dies. The caretaker himself dies. Yeah. Themself. I don't know their gender. <laughs> they present as male, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And... They decide that the array is too powerful of a thing to be in control under any one group. And the Kazon are on their way to go control it. And they're like, well, let's just blow it up. And it's like, that's interfering, guys. If the Kazon have spaceships, shouldn't you let them take it over? Yeah, it's weird. I, I see it as this weird, like, secondhand prime directive. Like, the, the caretaker is there because they have these, like, morals they're attached to. But, like... Anything they do is going to, like, fuck up the civilization because they already did. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we've got to keep controlling it so we can't give it over to the Kazon. Oh. And since, like, the Federation's there now, they're like, oh, well, we got to make sure the baddies don't get a hold of it or, like, respect this other being's wishes. It's almost like they're, they respect them more than they do the people who actually live on the planet. They respect the caretaker more? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they they see (laughs) the caretaker as this benevolent thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the caretaker's more like them. Yeah. Yeah. Enlightened. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's yucky. Knows about it, yeah. Yeah, they're both pretty imperial. (laughs) Yeah. I think they know what's up. (laughs) Yeah, because to me, that's that's just so fucked. It's like you've already interfered by just even going down to the surface and then talking to people, then taking one of them as your crew... <laughs> Taking two of them if you count right. Neelix. Yeah. Like And so their argument was that this thing that had been giving them power, basically, right? The array. Mm-hmm. And now the caretaker was dead. It was too powerful to To be controlled by somebody else besides the caretaker. Including the people that it was providing power to beforehand. Right? Yeah. Couldn't you just be like But what were they think they were gonna do with it? Like shoot it at people instead? Like do a weapon with I it? I don't... I think... Well, they're, I think their concern was that the Kazon were on their way to go control it. Yeah. But, like, why wouldn't you just stop the Kazon? Well, but... Or even also if just they... let them because, guys, they're living in a desert. Maybe yeah. they would like some infinite resources. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just wonder what they're worried about them. To, it's like... It's kind of like a nuclear non-proliferation sort of yeah. storyline of, like... Yeah, this guy was using it for, like, peaceful means, but we can't let people develop those sorts of things because what if they... You know, use it for war or whatever. They use it for violence. And these unenlightened, you know, people from the surface, they're going to do whatever is worst with it because that's how they are. Yeah, and it's very much depicting as, like, this is a savage race that can't be trusted with technology. And it's like, fuck you guys. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad ending, I know. Not a good one. Yeah. (laughs) 
And and she gives some very like kind of Reagan-esque speech at the end of like, well, now they'll be independent and be able to make their own future. And you're just like, all that's right, good. Like, okay. <laughs> I think that's when I, I I think I texted you at that point. Like, I'm a little concerned about Voyager. <laughs> like, what's going on here? At the end of the pilot. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, I have feelings. <laughs> Yikes. That's interesting. I mean, that's the time though. Like, so '95 to 2001, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party is essentially trying to become a nicer version of Reagan. Because that's like how they think they're going to... 95, you're talking Bill Clinton's going into re-election. Mm-hmm. He's doing like triangulation, which is where he's like, I'm just going to poll, see what people want, and then like adjust whatever I'm doing to be uh, like in between what the Republicans want and what the Democrats want. Okay. Like I'm going to be the middle, the third way uh-huh. sort of thing. Uh-huh. Which is a lot of like neoliberal stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of like basically being reagan light you know is is that when the crime bill happened or was that in his first term clinton yeah yeah i think it's first term right or is it second i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't know either (laughs) my guess was second but i really don't know yeah well i know joe was do you know the year 90 i want to say 93 or 94 though i think it was around there well it would have been 94 i guess because Mm -hmm. he wasn't so yeah yeah it would have been his first term interesting yeah, uh, good old Joe was uh, part of that, apparently. Yes, yeah. But he's changed now, of course. Oh, yeah. Really <laughs> <different>. <laughs> Obviously. Everything's fine, guys. Well, it's uh, just interesting you bring up Reagan. I was like, that makes sense for the ideal. Because the captains kind of re- kind of represent, right, like the, the societal morals. ideal of that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a nicer version of Reagan that's a woman. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Who, I mean, you know, Janeway probably has, you know, more redeemable qualities. Than <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly haven't watched enough to make a final determination, but that was a very bad first impression. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> she has a dog. Oh. <laughs> but that's, okay, this is really telling. I thought that was the saddest part about them being flung, is that her dog was about to give birth to puppies. I didn't give a shit about her husband or whatever. I was like, what about your dog? <laughs> He's definitely going to be dead by the time Oh, yeah, she bed. was like chatting with him or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I was so really sad, sad about the talk. <laughs> okay, anyway. Alright, there's one more episode I want to talk about. Wait, what is Prime Factors? Fuck. That's another episode, right? Yeah, what is that one? Uh, oh, it's when they, they find the planet that's more oh, advanced yes. than this. Yeah. yeah, let's do that one next. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. The other side of this coin is the next episode we're going to talk about, which is called Prime Factors, Season 1, Episode 9. They're on the other end of the fucking stick. Yeah. Oh. They meet a society that is more advanced than them. <laughs> and uh, Harry Kim like follows this girl who's into him. And she takes him to this advanced teleporter. And goes somewhere that's like a bajillion miles away. And he's like, holy shit, this is what we've been looking for. We need this. And Janeway is trying to negotiate for it. And they're just like, no, it, we can't do that. Like, that's against our, our laws. We cannot share this technology. And it's like, oh, you uh, served. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's great. What did they say? They say it's because you guys are violent savages who could use it for bad? or like- I mean, okay, so it's kind of funny. Um, I read through the synopsis on this one. I'm not sure. I, I definitely watched it. I don't remember it super clearly, but the synopsis was pretty wild. Like, just the way that they're talking about it, their culture is, like, hedonistic, I guess, this mm, planet. Yes, they're all about yeah. pleasure. <clears throat> yeah, okay. and they love, like, stories and history and stuff. They come up with this idea to trade their, like, history and a lot yeah. of their information for this technology. They call it the trajector, I guess. Ooh. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it's a long distance transport. It would get them like halfway home. They said it was like 40,000 light years mm -hmm. was how the distance Harry Kim traveled to this other planet. Yeah. And they only have like 75,000 to get home. Wow. Yeah. 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 Or 70,000 so or something. That's huge. Yeah. That's it's huge. A, it would be enormous. And yeah. so someone approaches them from the planet offering to trade their information for a trajector illegally against mm -hmm. the planet's wish wishes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and against the captain's wishes because yeah. she says no. Yeah. 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 And so Tuvok finds part of the crew. I think Bolana's part of it. And yeah. that Cardassian uh, chick. Yeah. Um, I can't remember Seska? Seska. That's yeah. it. That's it. And, um, and they all... Uh, they go and carry out this deal. Tuvok like, is like, I'll do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> they do a mutiny. Yeah. And uh, they bring it back and uh, Tuvok's like, don't connect it to anything. I want to talk to the captain first. And they end up doing it anyways to <laughs> I analyze don't it. I why you didn't do that. Yeah. I know. And um, it does some crazy shit. Technobabble overloads the warp core or something. It fucks them up. And yeah. someone has to like shoot it with a phaser and blow it up. <laughs> and, um, it's like not compatible with their system, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, it's funny because um, Janeway's just like really taken aback. She's that, shocked that Tuvok yeah. has betrayed her. Yes. Because like he is her like confidant for the mm -hmm. most part. So... Yeah. And I thought it was great that he was the one that did it. Oh, too. yeah. I thought that was fucking wonderful. <laughs> it's, I think it's a really good example of them, like, really bargaining with their values to, mm -hmm. like, get home, mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. Because, yeah. yeah, there's a huge faction of the ship, and, like, Seska and Balana are both Maquis, and I think they're much more like, who gives a shit about the rules? We mm -hmm. want to get home. Yeah. Then the, the rest of the crew is much more willing to, like, listen to the captain. So I think it just really shows that tension nicely and the fact that Tuvok was willing to like betray his captain over this. Like he, he started to feel like, this is more logical. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Vulcan logic. Yeah. 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 Um, a funny uh, little tidbit here. I found mm. out that a show I haven't seen, Picard, mm -hmm. um, talks about the Sicarians, this race that they meet. Oh, okay. And says that the Borg eventually assimilated <gasps> some of them and acquired the trajector. Oh. And attached it to their board cube so they could like teleport their queen out if they ever needed to. Oh so, shit! Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, boards are really good at teleporting too. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, they can travel way faster than yeah. all anyone in the Federation. Wow, <laughs> scary. that's super scary. <laughs> yeah, but I just Anyways. I love the shoes on the other foot this time. Yeah, and like. Oh, it's just it's just kind of delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially just like coming off of like the first few episodes, you know. Mm -hmm. I do like that they're. Their currency is kind of like stories, though. I thought yeah, that was cute. I think that's very fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, what else are you going to be interested in? Yeah, you and know? you have all the tech. Like, yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. The final episode we're going to talk about is season two, episode 14, called Alliances. This one, this one's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's established by this point that Voyager plus Kazon equals enemies. So yeah. mm -hmm. they fucking hate them. Um, you know, the Kazon hate that they blew up the array. And so now I'll every, understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> so every time they run into Voyager, they get attacked or they attack them. Yeah. Um, various Kazon groups. So apparently there's lots of different like kind of tribes of Kazon mm -hmm. or sects. And Janeway eventually is like, okay, this is getting too hairy. We need to make an alliance with the Kazon. 
And all of her crew are like super fucking against it. Like Harry, little Harry Kim speaks out against it. And she's like, don't fucking question me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Chakotay's like, we should be more like the Maquis here. And Mm. like, you know, I guess like he wants to make a deal um, with them, not for resources and stuff, but basically just like a truce. A ceasefire. And like a, we'll protect you if someone else is attacking you type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's his Mm. idea first. Mm. And Janeway's like, okay, fucking fine. Yeah. (laughs) So they start, like, setting up a call with, like, Seska and her new boyfriend. She ends up being, like, a traitor on their crew. Um, with a D? Tra- with a T. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, traitor. <laughs> um, she used to be part of the Maquis, but was actually an undercover Cardassian who, like, did crazy surgery. That's oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Like a Dr. Mengele thing surgery? Or? I don't know who that is, but... Well, she got <laughs> surgery to not look like a... Yeah, she changed oh, her face yeah. I to look... I you like, experiments on people. Oh, no, no. She okay. changed her face and, like, her features to look Bajoran. Okay. And she went undercover with the Maquis. And she used to fuck Chakotay, so he's all emotional about wow. it. Wow. <laughs> he's Forgot like, yes. and it's yeah. funny because, like, Tuvok was also in a conversation at one point. He's like, was anyone on my ship because they wanted to be? <laughs> <laughs> he's the one guy, like, that gets arrested for some FBI backed plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, what? What happened? <laughs> so they reach out to her to try to form an alliance with her new boo, who is a, a Kazon guy. Another warrior race that is like dark, guys. Can we not do that, maybe? <laughs> mm, there's an idea. And they even have like kind of like textured hair. Some like crystals in there, too. Yeah, I, I can't I don't tell know what's going, going on. With their hair. Hair. Yeah. It's okay. pretty fucked. Yeah. It's pretty fucked. Mm-hmm. So they reach out to them to try to make an alliance and they like try to assemble a council of like Kazon tribes or whatever to, to work something out. And they're setting up this alliance and like. It's a very controversial thing. They're like, this feels like it's going against the Prime Directive. Like, we're interfering. Like, we don't want to disrupt the power balance in this system. And then it gets complicated by the fact that they meet this guy who's part of a race called the Trabe. Um, the yeah. guy's name is Mavis. And it's it's this race of people. And, and when they he first shows up, Neelix is like, I'm super surprised to see this guy here. Because Neelix is like their guide to yeah. this, mm-hmm. this sector because he's a local. And he's great. <laughs> he fills in the cap and he's like okay the trade are like they were slavers <laughs> they were this super advanced culture like really big into like literature and like all these arts and stuff but they were very like isolationist and so like no one realized they were exploiting the Kazon as slaves oh. and that's how they're able to like be so artistic and wonderful or whatever yeah and so he was like, I'm really surprised that this guy wants in on the peace talks with Kazon. That doesn't seem, like, correct. Mm. And so she ends up meeting, Janeway ends up meeting with this guy, and both she and Chakotay are like, I think he's learned his lesson, and, like, let's make a deal with this guy. Let's, this is going to be our, our new treaty. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of siding with the people who just want fucking water... You're going to side with former slavers? Well, they've learned their lesson. (laughs) (laughs) This is a confederacy-ass apology. Like, what is happening? Isn't there, like, a scene where, when they first meet the trade, where where they're, like, prisoners on a Kazon ship? And so it's, like, even more confusing? Yeah, he's hanging out with Kazon. They're like, why is this guy here? Yeah. I don't know if he's a prisoner. Hold on. Maybe he wasn't, but it was something about, like, like a bunch of families or something. It looked really bad. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. 
He was trapped in a cave for five days after he was attacked in space. So yeah, they they find this guy who oh, was wow. who was stranded, I guess, by the Kazon, and like it's him, and I think it's a few families too. Okay, cool. Yeah, I cool. think that's right. Sorry if we're wrong. It's been a minute since I've watched this one. <laughs> Please, Star Trek nerds, <laughs> feel free to correct us. me. It's fine. But the point is, like. I called it immediately. <laughs> I want to be right here. So I was like, do not trust these motherfuckers. They're going to betray you. Lo and behold, they go to the Kazon Peace Conference. This guy blows it up. Holy shit. Yeah. He used it as an opportunity to kill every Kazon leader there. And I was like, there you go. That's, what's, that's what happens when you side with former slavers, guys. And Voyager gets out safely, right? Yeah. And um, it all fails miserably, and Voyager gains more enemies. Yeah. LOL, yeah. I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice peace treaty you did. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It was such a frustrating one. Just like, just a complete lack of curiosity, I guess. Because I was going to say awareness. And it's like, well, you don't know the history of this area. Like, why wouldn't you investigate more on this? Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you say... Like, it's justified because apparently the Trabe are, like, very scared of revenge from the Kazon. I'm like, yeah, you probably should be. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But yeah. I don't, it's just really fucked. <laughs> yeah. Point is, it's fucked. Yeah, no, I mean, putting forging regional alliances in places that you're unfamiliar with, that can backfire. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Even if you spend 20 years trying to put it together, it doesn't uh. always work. <laughs> <laughs> it gets undone in, what, like two weeks? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's my overall take on Voyager, is that the, the new ethos is is Reaganism. <laughs> it's yeah. not my fave. It's interesting. I mean, again, I've only watched <clears throat> two seasons. Maybe they redeem themselves later. Like, I still do like some characters from it, but oh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, the governing, like, the captain's kind of outlook. Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, what shapes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you have characters within that that obviously don't fit that archetype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like Harry Kim. Yeah, I love Harry Kent. It's so good. There is a there's one set of episodes with Voyager where they're like it, it has a really tough name. I would have to look it up. <laughs> it's okay. They're basically like stranded with no resources for a while, and they're like super low on replicator rations. Yeah. A bunch of people in the crew die or get stranded or something, and you know the ship's like destroyed, and mm-hmm. Jane, everyone's got like you know. They're down to their, like, undergarments, basically, just looking like Rambo, just covered in <laughs> grease and stuff. And, like, and there's this point where, like, everyone's, you know, going really hard and they don't realize what day it is or anything. And um, Chakotay makes a silver pocket watch out of the one, one of the replicators for Janeway and gives it to her for her birthday. And she had completely forgotten because they're going through this really insane time. Yeah. And she's, like, mad at him. I'd be mad, yeah, too. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> It was. I thought it was an interesting like thing about replicators, though. Like they're just very like. I think her command was like to go recycle it again. Like I guess mm-hmm. you can take any matter and put it back into uh-huh. the machine yeah. and uh, make something else with it. But um, I mean, it's um, like the new. It's like the new currency. Yeah, you're right. It yeah. is. But it, I mean, they use replicator rations as like a form of luxury currency. Yes. Everyone gets to eat because they have Neelix, who knows the local flora and fauna, and he cooks for them. It's adorable. I love his apron. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of like a joke that like he doesn't know what humans like, and like he always makes things too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would love. I bet. Yeah, I you would love Neelix's dishes, food. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love Neelix, but not his food. <laughs> but then. 
they have episodes where people use rations to like save up rations to make some like a gift for somebody. I think someone does that in another episode as well, like for someone's birthday. And then they also, they, at one point, they have a gambling ring and, oh. and they use rations as, as oh. money. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it, it is weird. Like you are taken out of that post scarcity world for mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting to see how different people react to that. Like, yeah. what the fuck was Chakotay thinking? I know, yeah. I know. He's just being sentimental, I guess. Yeah. Do y'all want to talk about the Doctor at all in Voyager? Oh, I love the Doctor. I always love the robot. <laughs> yeah, I know, same. I think there's a lot of, like, threads just talking about, like, trying to discuss what life is and what constitutes life. Yeah. With Data and also the Doctor. <laughs> um, I feel like with Data, like... They have an episode fairly early on mm-hmm. where they do like a trial to yes. see if he has uh-huh. That's what I was thinking if, he, about. if he has like autonomy basically uh-huh. mm-hmm. because the Federation wants to like take him and go study him. And yeah. he's like, No thank you. Yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> is fucked. Uh-huh. So they have to do a trial to prove that he's not human but sentient. Yeah. Right. And then with the doctor, yeah, it's it's much more of a discussion. I, I wonder if it's mm-hmm. just the physicality of him because he is a hologram. Yeah, there's this whole plot point where later on in the series he gets a mobile hologram mm, so trans- walk transmitter. Yeah, he clips it onto his side and he can walk out of medbay. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is like a huge thing for him because that's all he's ever known. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of plot points of just him... Yeah, wh- whether he's alive or what the heck he is, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me uh-huh. the answer. Uh-huh. But does he ever pick a name? Like yes or no? Cuz that's a big plot don't, point in Don't tell early. me. The, don't no, tell me. Don't okay. tell me what the name is, but I I know that he contemplates it for a while. I'm not sure if he ever picks one. Okay. He okay. may, but it's like a weird one or something. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh he so he's based off of a person. Yeah, um, his inventor like, yeah. looks like him. Uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so he gets to play the same, <laughs> the same character. But um, he's an interesting character. I I really like him, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of his development is about learning how to apply intellectual knowledge to the field because mm. he was designed as an emergency system, and so he mm. doesn't have any like bedside manner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like he trains a nurse who kind of trains him on like here's what humans like, you know, <laughs> like try to be nice. Yeah. Except she's Okampa, but you know whatever. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just I love his development a lot. But I I love an android again, married to an Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> There's one one more. This doesn't super have to do with capitalism or anything, but there's an episode where, like, my tweet about this was, has a biracial person even ever touched the script or been in the same room as it? Uh-oh. Because Bolana Torres is half Klingon, half human. Uh-huh. They have an episode where her two halves get split and one half of her, she's like, she's fully human and there's also a fully Klingon one. Mm. It's fucked, guys. <laughs> it's as bad as you think it is. Like, it's super weird and it's just like oh gosh like is that really what you think that experience is like they're inside you there are two wolves exactly oh. it is exactly that <laughs> and like her human side is all docile and scared because she's like being kept prisoner and the other side is all like aggressive and stuff and and, it, and they try to be like oh well, like both halves are important and blah 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 but like it it's just really weird <laughs> well and that's partially their treatment of the Klingons in general yeah. throughout the series is very problematic yeah. yeah they're very monolithic very aggressive they have you know like sometimes they're they're portrayed as like they do have like like a better word humanizing kind of mm-hmm. you know they're people yeah but they are also just kind of like you know picking their 
teeth with knives and stuff. You know, they're very unsavory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depicted as like pirates or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so weird. It was, that was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. We probably shouldn't talk about Chakotay, should we? Oh my gosh, the spirit animal yeah. vision quest, every single Native American stereotype that's <laughs> under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of this stuff is a product of the time. They're, yeah. like, trying so hard oh, to yeah. address all this stuff. But, like, it's like, you know, they're not being inclusive or actually listening to what right. those things are. Yeah. You know? It's more like being aware yeah. versus, like, really knowing too much about it. Like, yeah. Totally. It's, it's just like, they're Native Americans, guys. Yeah. It's diversity, <laughs> but it's not inclusion. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole thing is pretty weird, too. It is. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have we talked about all the stars and all the treks? Yeah, I would think I so. I think, yeah, there's plenty <laughs> all right, of stars great. and treks. There's so much more that we could get into. I know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if I get that Paramount Plus, we might be back for more. We'll see. <laughs> you can share an account. Yeah. Start a Paramount Plus commune. Hell yeah. Spread that resource. Okay, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. I'm very tired. I need some food. <laughs> I need to hydrate. <laughs> Same to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us. It was a blast. Of course. I had an amazing time. Thank yes. you both. Yeah. You're I'm a great so guest. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Next week, we'll be doing another biography of a guy we haven't really gotten into much. So I'm, I'm excited. All I know is he has cool hair and glasses. He's been lurking in the shadows somewhat. We, mm-hmm. we mentioned him here and there. And we mentioned him in Star Trek, Neo yeah. Trotskyism. <laughs> he's, he's due to make a comeback in two years. Yes, Maybe so. this is the start. Could be. We'll uh, play our part, you know, play our role as Gabriel Bell here and, and spread the word of one Leon Trotsky. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll be listening in for sure. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us, or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube, if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Currently, TeePublic is running a sale from October 13th through the 17th, and again from the 27th through the 31st of October. You get $13 t-shirts and everything else is up to 35% off. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.